Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Our topic tonight, ADHD behavior, therapy, modification, or awareness. And with us in our virtual studios is uh, Dr. Ari Tuckman, one of our favorite guests. Real quickly, tonight is Wednesday, uh, May the 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the year 2018. Uh, tonight's show is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, also note that we are offering two free digital copies of Attention Magazine uh, for our listeners. All you have to do is uh, listen for the secret word that's given out in uh, three, uh, different, three different shows. You've got to listen to three shows and identify the secret word and just let us know the date that uh, the show was aired or the title of the show. Um, and we'll send you the uh, two magazines in a PDF format. Uh, how you contact us is send us an email at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. Again, that's attention at attentionradio.com. Um, also, Chad has got a tip that we want to run, and we'll get into the show. So here we go. Many people report that exercise improves ADHD symptoms and relieves stress and anxiety. Find what works for you. Dancing, yoga, running, or long walks. Choose a fitness plan and find strategies that help you stick with it. For more tips, visit Chad's website at helpforadhd.org. Thanks, Chad, for uh, for your tip, uh, for the offer of the magazines, and for your support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage everyone to become a member for one sole purpose, and that is to support that organization and support one vo- one voice. They're the ones that go to Capitol Hill uh, and go to different regulatory agencies and and uh, create awareness and, uh, again, speak on behalf of the community. So a strong Chad is a strong ADSD community. To learn more, to become a member, go to their website at chaad.org. Okay, so tonight's show is with uh, Dr. Ari Tuckman. This one was born out of uh, just a flyer that I had seen talking about the difference between modification and, a, and a, a therapy in terms of behavior. I threw an awareness side. We had a spirited conversation uh, that was pre-recorded that we're going to run. We hope you really enjoyed this. It turned out exceptionally well. I was very surprised at some of the things that, that uh, came to light. So uh, we'll roll the tape, and we hope you enjoy the show. Dr. Ari Tuckman is a clinical psychologist who specializes in diagnosing and treating children, teens, and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He's an author of three books, Understand Your Brain, Get More Done, The ADHD Executive Functions Workbook, More Attention, Less Deficit, Success Strategies for Adults with ADHD, and uh, Integrative Treatment for Adult ADHD, a practical, easy-to-use guide for clinicians. He's a frequent speaker and has given more than 300 presentations on ADHD and other topics. He has over 100 episodes and more than 2 million downloads of his More Attention, Less Deficit podcast. He's a former member of the National Board of CHAD and their current conference co-chair. Uh, for more information, go to his uh, website, adultadhdbook.com. With that, come to the show. My pleasure, as always. I think this is this are millions one that we've done or is this just our hundred thousand? I'm not sure. I, I, no, I, th- I, I think we've eclipsed the millionth um, 
time having you on the show. We're going for two million now, so uh, we're, it's a new beginning. How's that? All right, bring it on. All right, so you know, all right, I, this show is brought about because I hear different words out there: behavioral therapy, behavioral modification. I've always kind of wondered, like, really, kind of what that was about. And I know I called you to do a show, really, on this particular topic, and you know, I got some clarity on it in that discussion of there's really kind of self-imposed behavioral change versus, versus mindful behavioral change as a way of looking at maybe the differences, behavior therapy, uh, or, or behavior therapy or behavior modification. Can you just kind of talk to us about like, how you see that a little bit, and we'll kind of get into like the differences and how you work with it and how I work it from there? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, a lot of the treatments – particularly for kids with ADHD, were really more kind of like behavioral therapy, meaning that they were kind of like externally imposed, mostly by parents, but maybe by teachers. So, you know, if you get your homework done, behavior, then you get the reward of being able to watch TV. If you don't get it done, then you get the punishment of, I don't know, not being able to watch TV or, I don't know, something, unless you know, Cinderella, you have to clean out all the pots or something. Um, So, but that's sort of externally imposed. And and for kids, you know, that works because in society, children are often kind of wrangled by adults because, you know, children will probably not survive in the wild on their own. So that's, that's a good thing that they have adults kind of watching out for them. Um, The problem is when you become an adult, none of us, contrary to what our romantic partners think, want somebody else always telling us what to do. Um, so, so that's where the, it becomes, it needs to become more of an internalized process. So like, for example, if I want to eat healthier, I need to be the one to decide I'm going to eat healthier. And my, if my wife kind of nags at me to eat healthier, possibly I'll eat healthier when she's there to see it. But you know, what do you think I'm doing when I'm out running around without her? So, um, so, so that's so there's like a transition to some degree based on the age of the person that we're talking about. But I think at the end of the day, it's all about kind of internalizing, you know, taking these external things and internalizing them and finding our own desire, our own motivation to make those kind of better choices in the moment. And then, of course, we can get into a whole big discussion of like, okay, define better choices. You know, what are the criteria we're using for that? Um, so, so that's sort of my first first pass take on this. Yeah, I, I I like I really like how you kind of frame that out, um, particularly uh, uh, the the imposed stuff on kids. Really, I mean, they're not as self aware. They're not really kind of buy in, and it, it, it kind of is there. And you, know, you and I have done a lot of shows on mindfulness and how it starts kind of inside and kind of works its way out. As I was listening to you, it was interesting because when people are going out and even often calling me wanting some coaching, it's interesting because I think that they focus really more on the um, the external imposed, like what's the tip, what's the trick, what is it that, that – what's the system that you're going to do that's going to modify my behavior? And I find that fascinating because if there's – particularly for an adult, if there's not buy-in mentally, I don't find that those external systems really work, particularly if it's effortful – You've got to pause and override your ADD urges anyway. And so 
it's, I just kind of find that fascinating is because as you get older, I think you have to have that internal buy-in a little bit more. Now, sometimes external stuff will work, but at the end of the day, I, I don't know. Just what, what is your experience with that? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's, it's an interesting situation because, you know, first of all, they're, they're calling you. So, like, they obviously have some buy-in. Now, it's possible that they have a boss who says, dude, you've got to get your stuff together. You're going to get fired. They may have a romantic yep. partner who says, if you don't stop whatever, I'm going to leave you. So that, you know, there's certainly some external factors there maybe, but they're choosing to call you. So they must have some sense of agency here. Um, but I think it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of a lovely idea in some ways to think about this as, you know, you're going to impose this external structure and they just need to kind of passively follow along. But but, you know, coaching isn't like getting a haircut where you just sort of sit there and the, you know, coach does what they're going to do. Um, you know, it's coaching, therapy, whatever. It's much more kind of like physical therapy in the sense of like, okay, now, you know, do this 20 times. Okay, let's increase the weight. Now, what if you do it that way 20 times? Um, that there's inherently there needs to be an active involvement in the process. Um, so, you know, I think it's a nice idea that there's going to be this magical externally imposed solution. But I think most people recognize, like, yeah, that's not really how this works. But I think we still like the idea of it. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is the people who they're motivated, they call and they kind of come in, but they kind of sit there kind of wanting to be fixed. I've actually had people, like, when they come in for coaching conversation, well, what do you want coaching on today? Give me the topic. And when they say, well, I don't know, what, sh- what should we talk about today? I'm like, you're not invested in it. Like, literally, I'm about how are you going to put your feet in- on the floor in the morning if we're talking about something like that. The general theory type stuff is they're kind of passive. And as I described as in coaching, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. I can talk to you a lot about it, but until you have the buy-in to go try and run the experiments first to kind of figure that out, it doesn't necessarily work. And it's funny because often people will come in, and I do think they're looking for those external systems, and I'll read them out a lot of times and listen, if there's not that buy-in piece, it's not there. And I don't work a lot with kids. Um, I really, for the most part, only deal with uh, maybe a junior or senior in high school, which is rare. And even then, usually they're an athlete and they're male, so I have a little bit of a different background with doing with that paradigm because I find them more passively sitting there waiting for somebody to, to impose an external structure. And, again, even then, if they're not buying, it can be difficult. Um, right. Um, and your work with teens and, and um, young adults, uh, what's your experience working with that mindset and attitude? Yeah, so it's an interesting thing, especially, you know, so – Often when I see teenagers um, and almost always when I see, you know, kids who are, I don't know, I I don't really go that much under 10, but um, I always involve the parents. And partially it's because, you know, a parent has much more ability to influence what happens all week in between our sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, But also because, you know, I think that often the parents are more invested in this than the teen is. And that's fine, you know, like that's okay. But to kind of work with them to make some of the changes. And there are definitely situations where, you know, there are parents who come in and they they just sort of want to dump their kid on me and think that I'm going to fix the kid and they're going to just keep doing what they're doing. And that's definitely not how these things work. Um, I think with young adults, it gets a little bit trickier because, you know, they're not kids anymore. So they should ostensibly have more independence and freedom to make their own choices. 
and yet they're not managing it well enough because that, which, you know, by definition, because that's why they're sitting in my office. So, yep. Um, yep. and yet sometimes they're there more because like they're tired of their mom nagging them about coming in. So, um, you know, so the trick there, and this is exactly what you're talking about, is figuring out what they want to work on. Like what's important to them? Um, yep. Not what's important to me, not what's important to their parents or their friends or a girlfriend or boyfriend, but like what's important to them? Um, and I think without that fundamental motivation, it's really hard to get people to maybe not necessarily do something once, but to keep doing it. Yep, absolutely. It was um... – I can't remember who it was. I think they did a research study at University of North Carolina of all the kids out of high school that had an IEP or Section 504 plan. And of everybody, now this is not ADD. This is like everything. Learning disabilities is like kind of across the board. That only, what is it, 8%, maybe 9% of those kids that in college took advantage of disability services in college that were available. Yep. Um, which is the summation is that crowd doesn't really want to need help. Um, right. There's a stigma kind of associated, which is you got that young adult who's sitting there and it's, you know, I've, I've worked with the college crowd before and, you know, it's, it's, if they don't buy into the process and they're not doing that stuff, it's again, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. So, um, yeah, I want well, to talk I'm, about I'm part of the behavioral issue. awareness. But, um, go ahead. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Let me just, this will set you up nicely where, where you're going. So, so part of the issue with, especially like early college students, you know, with ADHD, with some learning disabilities, although this I think applies across the board, but more so to some than to others, is that, you know, it's not that they look at these support services or think about taking their medication and are simply saying, screw that, I don't want to do it. Um, part of the problem is that there's a fundamental lack of awareness on some of these things that like, if you ask them, how do you think this semester is going to go? How well prepared do you feel like you are to do this on your own? And, you know, genuinely, like, you know, stack of Bibles, your honor, I swear, like, they genuinely believe, I got this. Like, I don't need support services. I don't need medication. Okay, fine. The last three semesters were a disaster. But, but I'm telling you, this one's going to be different because of something or other, right? So, they're not lying. They're not just being oppositional. Like part of the problem here is that there's, it's that lack of awareness that they genuinely believe. Now, other people might look at it and say, mm, I don't know, given history here, given your track record, I'm not sure that I believe that that's going to work out. And I do think that support services or medication or some sort of a thing, you know, could be helpful. So it becomes sort of like a much ado about nothing kind of an argument to have with them because, by the time they realize often that they need it, it's kind of like it's too late. You know, this, the, the die has been cast for the semester. There have been too many misassignments, too many low grades, and it becomes a situation where they need to get 137% on the last test in order to not fail the semester. And it's just like, you know, they're sunk before they realize it. Um, that's, it's, it's, I'm glad you articulated that. I, I had – spot on, at least in my observations. I didn't really think about that coming into um, uh, our conversation today, but that, that lack of awareness and that over the very optimistic about things in the future is really kind of a tricky uh, with that particular crowd. Um, I need to take a break real quick for those uh, – well, actually, not those who think. Those Everybody should go learn more about Dr. Tuckman by going to his website, adultadhdbook.com. 
Again, that's adultadhdbook.com. And tonight's secret word is actually Ari. That's A-R-I. So, again, tonight's secret word is Ari. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Get it right with Omega Bright, the premier natural advanced omega-3 formula for improved attention and focus. Omega Bright was formulated by Dr. Carol Locke while on faculty at Harvard Medical School and was the first high-concentrate omega-3 on the market. Omega Bright is recommended by New York Times bestseller and leading ADHD authority, Dr. Ned Hollowell, who takes Omega Bright and recommends Omega Bright to all his patients. Order Omega Bright today. Visit OmegaBright.com or call 1-800-699-6525. Enter code ATTENTION on checkout for the chance to win a month's supply of Omega Bright. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. Do you have something those with ADHD need? Advertise on Attention Talk Radio. We are a narrowcast, internet-based radio show targeting those with or impacted by ADHD. To learn more about advertising opportunities, email attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman, our most favorite guest. He's got a great way of articulating things, and I always learn stuff when I'm uh, uh, interviewing him and just working with the regular world. Uh, our topic is we're talking about behavior therapy and modification, and we're kind of delineating the difference between kind of externally imposed and kind of internally imposed. And Dr. Tuckman uh, very, very much appropriately talked about young adults and stuff and their awareness of kind of what was kind of where they are and kind of what's going on. And, you know, Dr. Tuckman, Tonight's show is really a lot about awareness between those differences, and I think a lot of times people think in terms of external, but as you and I know, we've done a gazillion shows on this, and really, really, really begins a lot with the internal side um, to kind of, like, work together. It's just not going to happen automatically. Um, There's another area that I just kind of highlight is a little bit of coaching. Our paradigm is what I call more behavioral awareness. And uh, I've done a couple shows on this recently. I learned a lot from Dr. David Now a couple on God. Back in 2012, I did an interview on the concept of how exactly did you do that? And um, really witnessing oneself to begin to see what happens. And I've told this story on other shows where I was actually uh, coaching a psychiatrist one time, and uh, they were coaching on time management because they were always late. And after questioning him for 10 minutes, we began to determine that they were always about 10 minutes late, about 95, 97% of the time. And I said, well, what's your recipe? Like, 
how exactly are you always 10 minutes late, which was interesting because the person was taken aback. I mean, this is an ADHD professional with ADHD, and, and hey, we're having ADHD, I, got, I must have a problem. And we unrooted the fact that they didn't like to be bored. So they always came in 10 minutes late to whatever was going on to skip that part. And, you know, Ari, we've done a show on boredom kind of a long time ago. And it was interesting mm-hmm. because from that behavioral awareness, we walked away with the fact that they had a perfect time management system uh, that was flawless. Yeah. The only issue that they were in there for was one of their partners was complaining that they would show up to a meeting late once a month, and we solved for that particular problem. But that's that's really more of, it's not a behavior therapy or a modification, but really kind of a behavior awareness. And what was fun about that is in a coaching session, they walk in thinking it's a problem, and they walk out and say, wait a second, this is kind of, this is, this is like, this has actually worked. And uh, I know you've been kind of supportive of the coaching industry, but it's, to me it's a little bit of a, a budding type thing. And I've seen you, a lot of my interviews and some of your conversations are about stuff of, of, of people really being aware of some of that stuff. Do you want to share your thoughts on mm-hmm. the concept a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, here's the thing. You cannot manage what you're not first aware of. So if you don't even know what, well, first of all, if you don't even know that something is happening, how can you possibly change it if you don't understand why it happens and why it doesn't, you know, or in a more nuanced way, what sorts of things make something more likely to happen? What sorts of things make something less likely to happen? You know, it's kind of like you don't know what levers to pull in that case. And then you just try random things and maybe sometimes you hit something. But, um, you know, so sometimes the way that we build so you know one of the ways that as coaches or therapists that we build awareness is as as you just described so well it's asking lots of questions well what about this and what about that and wait a second you said this before you know i wonder if this also applies here something you know just asking the questions to help the client clarify inside their head what's going on um sometimes you know it the work that i do with kids or teens is working with the parent and frankly even young adults is working with the parent on changing some of what they're doing so the kid or teen can see more clearly what's going on you know so like the classic example of this is a teenager with adhd who swears up and down that they've got it under control if you were to just leave me alone everything would be fine i can handle the work you don't need to check it Right. Of course, every parent listening to this has been there. Um, So what I advise in those situations is for the parent to make a deal with the teen of like, here's the thing. I will step back. I won't ask about your homework. I'm not going to check it. I'm not going to whatever. But, you know, a couple times a week, I'm going to get on the grade portal, you know, the online grade book. And I'm going to see how you're doing. If you're hitting bullseyes, awesome. We got nothing to talk about. Keep doing what you're doing. On the other hand, if I start seeing zero show up, then we're going to have to have a conversation. We're going to have to change this. So it, it, by the parents stepping back, it gives the teenager a lot more clarity, a lot more awareness of how they actually are doing. And in a way that they can't say, well, I would have done that, but you were annoying me about this or some other kind of implausible uh, way to kind of get themselves off the hook. So then if at least if the teenager recognizes, you know, damn, I, I, I'm actually really not that great at tracking assignments. Then at least it opens up the, you know, now there's a discussion of, well, now what do we do about that, if anything? But at least now we're all on the same page that 
this doesn't seem to work out well when you manage it on your own. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny because there's we, we keep going back to there's a little bit of that internal awareness that needs to take place kind of across the board, uh, particularly for teens and kids. And that's the, well, the trick is really to kind of get that buy-in and how you go about doing that is I, I, I'm, everybody, I'm a parent. Let's just be hundred percent clear. <laughs> and I'm not holier than any of you out there because everything I'm talking about, I've done it myself and have to throttle myself back. But sometimes you just, you go to like the hammer and you just don't want to like get out that slingshot to kind of get one off and that's the wrong thing to do to kind of get the kids to kind of like kind of to, to relax a little bit and kind of get the buy-in on the process and it's kind of funny because I always talk about parents when it comes to coaching uh, or working with your kids it's a self-regulation problem for the kid and emotional self-regulation problem for yourself so as you get frustrated you got to mm-hmm. manage your own regulation issues so the kid can manage his um, and, yeah. and I, a little bit off on a tangent, but I think that this this awareness thing and, and today's show about the difference between um, um, the internal and external and really actually observing your behavior and what it is is just a distinction to help people gain some clarity. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's thanks. really easy to, to go to the hammer, you know, because it feels like it'll get it done quickly. And maybe sometimes it does, but then there are definitely kids who will push. When the hammer comes out, they just push back. Absolutely, and push back hard, I might add. So, right. Um, I tell you what, I have an idea that I want to transition to. Let's go to break real quick, and we come back. I want to talk about kind of like the awareness side as a parent uh, that's a little bit away from the, uh, the the therapy or modification thing. So before we do, everybody, go visit Ari's website at adultadhdbook.com. And remember, tonight's secret word is Ari, A-R-I. And with that, we'll be right back up to these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. The Attention Talk Network has over 450 interviews and more than 210 hours of programming, which is overwhelming if you think about it. That's why I've made my list top 10 favorite Attention Talk radio interviews. Download the list at www.digcoaching.com forward slash ATR. And now, back to Attention Talk radio. Welcome back. Everybody, we're here with Dr. Ari Tuckman having a conversation about behavior therapy, modification, and awareness. Um, Covered a lot so far. One of the things that, Ari, that I have found um, useful as a parent uh, in my years, because I was, there's been times where I was trying to get my kids or use external things to get them to do with it, and then I was trying to get them to buy in, and that, that wasn't really happening. But that notion of uh, awareness and begin to watching when they're successful and trying to identify kind of like 
when they're successful, how is the environment different? Like what's going on that's different when they're having some challenges and trying to identify that and communicate to them like, wow, you know, you did really well on that test um, and you were studying in a group the day before. And you, every time my older son was studying in a group and he did well, I'd say there's – I mean, notice that you're doing well. And always, whenever you do well, it, you seem to be, t- like, in a group study situation. And I would reinforce that heuristic over a period of time. And slowly, an awareness grew. And it's funny because he's in college right now, and I was talking to him in finals back in April or what it was. And he was going out to – and I wasn't really trying to modify his behavior um, he really wasn't necessarily getting buy-in, but identify the characteristic of what of really kind of what works. Um, some other people that I've worked with before is there was a kid I was working with, a senior um, in high school, and he was really into crew and jazz. And there were some other things. It was rhythm. I felt like rhythm was easy for him to pay attention to, and he was having a hard time uh, reading or focusing on a history book. And since I felt this inkling about rhythm, I asked him, wouldn't it be like if you read a book with, like, a metronome? And he's like, well, I never thought about that. And I'm like, you know what, I'm only saying this because you, you tend to like things with rhythm. And he said, oh, I try it, which is kind of fun because I was just guessing off the situation, but it was an awareness of success in other areas that he paid attention to. And he actually tried it and came back and said, it, it, if it took him, if it should take an hour to read history, it used to take him two hours. Now it take him an hour and a half, but it had an impact. And the cool part about it was I was just sharing an awareness of something that seemed to work and said, let's try it in this other domain. And it was interesting because he adopted it really quickly. Um, did he modify his behavior? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, he brought that in, but I wasn't trying to put something in. I was really trying to be aware of something that worked out somewhere else and bring it into the fold. Just like my son, he, I think he's a bit of a, a verbal processor. He talks out loud and doing the group is, that seems to work. My younger son I'm working with, he's very, very visual. And it's like, it seems to me that you always do well when you draw out the timelines or you watch the videos to see how it puts together and really just positively reinforce the successes as a result of a pattern that you might see um, to kind of get two things. One, for them to really buy into what works. What are your thoughts on that? And Do you have any similar experiences to share? Um, yes, I think it's an interesting thing because um, there's sort of – there's questions, there's observations, and then there's like, I don't know, directives maybe. So um, – so the question is, huh, well, the test that you've done the best on, how did you prepare, right? That's a question. The observation is, it seems to me that, you know, here's the thing I've noticed. When yep. you do, when you study in a group, you tend to do best. And the directive is, you have to do it this way, um, or you should do it this way. Um, and of course, anybody who has any oppositionality in them is going to push back this knee-jerk automatic reaction on the directive, whereas they'll push back less on an observation, push back even less on a question. But this is really true for, for all of us. Like None of us really like to be told what to do. Um, but, <clears throat> so I think that in terms of influencing other people's behavior, since we all have this kind of independent streak, I mean, definitely some people more than others, um, questions slip in a whole lot more easily and observations slip in 
a little bit, you know, not quite as well, but, you know, better definitely than directives. That directives have tend to mm-hmm. evoke that kind of like, you know, holding up the boundary, like, wait a second, don't tell me what to do. Um, so, yep. you know, there are times when, like, you know, to be really kind of honest here, like there are times if I'm working with kind of an oppositional teenager where I see something and I'm like, I, I definitely know that this is, is true or that this would be a good idea. But if I tell them, look, what you need to do is blah, 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 they're going to automatically push back on it. Versus if I throw in a whole lot of pauses and whatever, like I'll sort of, it'll, I'll put it out there more like, you know, I don't know. I mean, so I'm sort of thinking that I wonder if maybe if instead of this, if, you know, I don't know, like maybe if you did it like this way, maybe it in throwing in the pauses, throwing in the uncertainty, throwing in the, you know, observation, but you do what you will kind of thing. It does it, it kind of slips it in underneath that pushback oppositionality. And I think it just goes over a whole lot better. It, it, it's, I, you know, it's funny. I call, I share a lot of stories with people that I coach, like the stories that I've shared so far, particularly like the one with uh, the psychiatrist that uh, was late all the time when they were bored. And I, w- I share those things, not always really that the person has to do it, but I call them thinking tools. I'm really throwing, I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm sharing other people's experience to kind of spur that creativity, if you know what I'm saying. And often mm-hmm. uh, it opens up their mind and they buy into it. And it's more of a playful type of a thing that I find uh, I think I'm hearing you say it's, it's effective, and I find it to be very effective because I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just giving them pictures of examples that work and kind of open up their mind, and sometimes often they'll see something they didn't see before, uh, and all of a sudden we have a change of behavior um, as a result of really mm-hmm. those observations. Um, and I think that, that there's no guarantees, but I know in our paradigm in the coaching world, we do a lot of that. And uh, if you look back at my YouTube channel, Tension Talk Video, I do a lot of what I call obvious solutions or not so obvious. And not to get too far, but I give you credit um, for our listeners out there. I wanted to do a show one time on this, and, and Dr. Tuckman was telling me about how when he writes, it's like stone quiet, but Dr. Olivardia is really into punk rock music. And uh, I did an interview with him on the video, and when he wrote his Harvard dissertation for his doctoral stuff, he actually had a Word document, I mean, Microsoft Word on the same computer that he was having punk rock videos play. And he was talking about how the beats of the music would kind of help him stay on focus and rhythm. And later in that video interview, it was funny because he talked about how he discovered how he could he read seven times faster writing a subway than sitting at home, um, <laughs> which is really just kind of fun observations. And I, I always share that with a lot of people, not to say that you have to do it that way, but in the same way, hey, there's this thing out there to get them to open their mind and relax and say, wow, that's really kind of crazy, and they, they begin to to open to maybe some change and look at some things differently. Um, again, I'm a little bit off the beaten path here, but sometimes I get on a rant, and I had to, had to share that as, as an example <laughs> of uh, helping people figure out what works for them. Yeah, and to not feel bad about it. So, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so – and actually, so with Roberto, he, he would do his writing with movies playing, which to me is the most yep. distracting thing in the universe. But loud music for me is great. And for my wife, it's like the worst thing you could do to her. So, so yeah, there's your spectrum of, uh, you know, whatever. But, um, 
But yeah, I think that, and I use that example with Roberto reading on the subway as well as an example of figuring out what is going to be best, you know, for you and kind of being aware of it and then being willing to do it. Um, and I think that, you know, that part of this in terms of this thing of like not getting into the mode of directives is this is a lot easier for a therapist or a coach, hopefully compared to like a parent or, or a romantic partner. But it's sort of this idea of, it's not my job to determine what my client is going to do. Like that's for them to figure out. Like my job is to help is to do the best I can to help them figure out what they want to do. But if they decide to do other things, including the exact stuff that we had talked about never worked out well before and they keep doing it, I can't be overly invested in that. And by not being too invested, it enables me to then stay neutral. Whereas if I feel, and obviously this is not like if they're, if they're suicidal or some, you know, really big, like, obviously I need to do something about that, but anything short of that, that's kind of for them to decide and figure out. And frankly, even, you know, half an hour ago, I was having a conversation with the mom of a young adult with ADHD who is doing well in some ways and not well in others. And, you know, talking about getting her to kind of back off a little bit and figure out, like, where are the places that it's like I, in good conscience, can't not do something about this versus mm -hmm. what are the situations where it's like, you know what, the daughter's going to have to figure it out and it's okay and she's going to struggle and she's going to suffer, but she won't die from it. And in the struggling and the suffering, she may figure it out a little differently versus in the tug of war with mom, she won't. Like, because the main lesson learned mm -hmm. in tug of war with mom is, God, I can't believe how intrusive mom is. Like, that's the main lesson learned, not, huh, that didn't work out directly because of the actions that I took or didn't take. Absolutely. I'm going to kind of pull this thing together. You know, Ari, I, I, whenever we do a show like this, it always turns out better than what I kind of hope because I, the people that are listening to this, I really hope that you're kind of understanding the external, the internal, uh, and the awareness side, because in helping people kind of go forward, there's a little bit of all that. There's an art of kind of pulling this stuff together. And I think, Ari, that last little part of it is is spot on, is we can help people figure it out, but we can't pull the trigger. As I, as I described to a parent one time in the morning, the alarm can go off in the morning, but at some point in time, the person actually has to turn it off and get their feet out right. of bed now. I can help figure out the easier way to do that and some strategies to do that. But it's it always at some point in time it comes down to that individual choice, and that's not anything that, that we can't control. It really comes down to that individual. And so that's the trick, and that's the art of it all, is to try to help people kind of figure all that stuff out. So with that, uh, yeah. any, any last thoughts or anything we need to say before we close it out? I mean, I think it's just it, it comes back to awareness, you know, like that it begins with awareness. The alarm gives you the awareness. If you're not aware, then that's the end of the story there. If you are aware, then you have the opportunity to make a, a different choice, but not the guarantee. So, so, yeah, but I think it's all about that. It's about seeing what you can do. You know, it's deciding about, you know, what's important to you, what are you trying to achieve, and then how do you set yourself or possibly someone else up for that to be a more likely, uh, you know, occurrence. Absolutely. And I, I do, I, what kind of started this was a brochure I had seen somewhere making the distinction between therapy and modification. And the external stuff is, is typically where you start with kids because they don't have the awareness and stuff. But as you grow older, I think you made a really good point, particularly as adults, at some point in time, there's got to be some buy-in. It's what transitions for the external to the internal. So with that, Dr. Tuckman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. 
Everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week for another one. Have a great week. Take care.